You are listening to The Clambake, a KBGA podcast, with your host, Madeline Broom. Thanks for tuning in to KBGA Missoula 89.9. My name is Madeline Broom, and I am the host of the KBGA podcast, The Clambake. This is our second episode back on air since our little summer hiatus. We're excited to bring you community voices from around Missoula to the airwaves. Is there someone you'd like to hear on this show? Send your ideas and any polite feedback to media at kbga.org. Join us every week by tuning in Saturdays at 2 p.m. here on KBGA 89.9 FM or find the podcast online at kbga.org or by going to Spotify or Apple Podcasts. This week features a conversation with Scott Poindexter, who is walking across the continental United States as a way to raise awareness for wildlife crossings. As Scott will explain, wildlife crossings allow for animals to naturally migrate across landscapes that have been fragmented by human development. This could look like a land bridge constructed over a road so deer and elk don't have to cross a busy road. Scott and I spoke virtually in mid-August while he was coming through Missoula. So just to start off, do you want to introduce yourself um, and the project you're, you're doing right now? Yeah, my name's Scott Poindexter and I'm from Colorado and I'm doing a walk across the United States, walk across America from like the northwest corner of Washington State to the East Coast. Uh, Once I get to Colorado, I'm going to figure out where I'm going to end up in the East Coast because every day can be different, to be honest with you. But uh, I'm doing a walk for the number four wildlife crossings. Um, I It's something walking across the United States had been on my mind for a, a while, and I'm very uh, passionate about wildlife and nature and, and the importance of that. And um, that's what I'm doing. So just, you know, shaking the trees as I go, talking to people, any chance to get on media, I do. And I really appreciate this opportunity. Yeah. What inspired you um, to do this? It sounds like you've been wanting to um, walk across America for a while. Um, you've biked across um, the U.S. in the past, but what was kind of your motivating factor for this? Uh, well, I like adventure. I've done some other cool, at least in my mind, cool adventures like riding motorcycles in different countries. And I actually was in Africa for three months on a little motorcycle before I got back. Uh, and then a couple months later started this. But, uh, you know, just I read a book a few years ago. It was written many, many years ago. And just reading his, his experiences, um, that he uh, uh, that occurred and then I've talked to other people that I've met randomly you know you draw into your world people I guess and just met just randomly people that were walking or riding bikes and it just just the experiences I mean we get so caught up in our daily western lifestyle of this and that and and, and it just gets redundant so it's just uh, you know it's, it's exciting to do something a little different and a little adventurous and to see things a little slower and uh, really absorb the experiences so i think that's you know one thing and then again back to the to the wildlife i just you know what what can i talk about because i just i want to and it just really hit me um, because i i donated time in colorado to uh, wildlife crossings putting up a cam some cameras um in the mountains of colorado along i-70 there's several projects in colorado that are looking for funding and being a tour guide out of uh, in Colorado, seeing the need for in our national parks and our mountains for 
wildlife needing to get around. So it all just kind of perfect storm came together. So are you from Colorado? It sounds like you've traveled a bit, but is that where you're kind of based right now? I'm based in Colorado, yes. I've been based in Colorado for quite a while, but originally from, you know, I guess Midwest in a sense. Born yeah. in South Carolina, uh, but yeah. <laughs> yeah. And that could stem, that could be honestly where I could go way back because as a kid, I was on 150 acres in the mountains of South Carolina for several first years of my life. I've thought of that. You get a lot of time to think when yeah. you're walking. <laughs> I and, uh, and I actually, you know, thought about it back when I was a little kid, you know, didn't wear shoes for several first years of my life, ran around in the trees and and just being out in nature. And I think that's as much as anything is being out in the nature. And we've really got to disconnect with that. Maybe not here in Montana as much, but in our country and people. And that's another thing I've been, I try to talk about to people is it's, you know, it's, is, is, is the reconnection with nature and wildlife. And then I think once they do that, they're like, yeah, we need to, we need to look at this reconnecting of the wildlife themselves if we're going to keep them and have them. So, but yeah, I could probably go back to South Carolina as a kid running around the farm and mountains wow. yeah yeah that that sounds amazing yeah i grew up in the midwest um actually i'm not from montana oh, okay um, mm -hmm. yeah i grew up in minnesota but um i guess talk talk a little bit more about wildlife crossings um i mean i know what a wildlife crossing is but i imagine some people some people don't. We do have, um, I know of at least one wildlife crossing that you probably saw on your way up to Glacier on 93 on the um, uh, CSKT reservation, the Flathead Reservation, there's a wildlife crossing, but some people may not know what that is. No, that's a great question, and that's, uh, yeah, I mean, if for some of us, uh, wildlife crossing is like, oh yeah, we know what that is. But I honestly, talking to friends, a lot of friends I would have expected in Colorado, they're like, I always wondered what those things were. So basically, let's start with, we've taken and built pavement roads, and I guess dirt roads as well, of course, and therefore fractured all this land uh, around the United States with these major pavement and then you've got 4,000 pound steel things flying up and down them. Well, wildlife like to move around. Obviously, we as Americans like to move around with cars, but uh, wildlife not only like to move around, they need to move around to get to water, to get to other uh, uh, mates and food sources. And they've been, you know, corridors is another word, wildlife corridors. It's very important in this conversation because they've been using um, like when I was just in Africa, um, you know, there's, I read, a, I did a lot of stuff with, and there was elephants, you know, been using for thousands of years, the same pathways. And so trying to work with the tribes and allowing those pathways to continue. And it's the same thing here. And so that was another inspiration. When I was just over there and coming back and doing more reading here. So we've got these corridors where these wildlife have moved around and, 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 and um, for several reasons. And then we put a slab of concrete and, pavement down in, in, the, in, in the middle of their land and they struggle to get back and forth and many of them get obviously killed. Millions, you know, get killed and also humans and the damage. So basically a wildlife crossing is saying, how can we, uh, in this particular area, which would be the best way to allow these wildlife to naturally cross back and forth over these roadways? And so it can be under 
Um, you can take an old bridge like they did in OMAC, Washington area, an old bridge and just go in and expand. So the bridge was like from the water to the water uh, as you drove over it. But if you look, they went underneath and they dug out uh, next to the river. And so now there's land underneath the bridge on each side. So that became a wildlife crossing. And then what they do is they'll take fencing. If you've ever seen like what, taller fencing, they'll run the fencing for a ways. That way it gets the wildlife to kind of funnel into and use that, that, that under the, the bridge. So it can be existing structures being remodeled. It can be uh, brand new structures underneath the roadways, tunnels, um, and then the beautiful one, like on you said, Highway 93, those over. Now those are much more expensive, uh, but they just go over the highway like a, a human bridge in a sense, but they're, uh, they're over the highway and they're, they just plant and make them, there's trees and grasses and everything. And it's not just the big wildlife that use them, squirrels and turtles, you'd be amazed, all different wildlife use them. So that's, the, that's when we talk about wildlife crossings, if that makes sense, hopefully that helped. So then, I guess, how did you get involved with um, wildlife crossings? You talked a, lot, a little bit about seeing them and stuff in, in Colorado, um, yeah. what, what led you to kind of decide that this was something you wanted to educate others about and kind of take as your own cause? That's a great question because, you know, I, I've got a website, uh, boldlyexplore.com, B-O-L-D-L-Y-E-X-P-L-O-R-E.com, and I talk about wildlife and so my, my blog posts about wildlife and saving wildlife and being able to save wildlife from your seat from your computer these days you can do amazing changes with signing petitions and and um, sending letters to senators and congresswomen and, and such like that you can do so much um and i just you know i'm always like which i just love so many different wildlife and people would be like well you need to pick a species you know and i'm like i kind of like all of them and uh so one thing was it just it, it affects all species of wildlife it's not one species that's being helped or hindered by having or not having wildlife crossings. So that was one thing. But I, uh, being a tour guide, like I said, and seeing, you know, driving up into the mountains, driving to Rocky Mountain National Park, inside Rocky Mountain National Park, um, there's an area that we would stop to see the, uh, try to see bighorn sheep. And the bighorn sheep have to actually come down and cross a road between them and the ponds that they like to eat the mud for minerals and drink the water. And so I got in, in, educated on from the volunteers there that, you know, they were talking about putting a crossing over the top. So that was a kind of little bit of information. And then, so I, you know, that kind of like, oh, wow, okay, that makes sense. And then they're like, there hasn't been the funding for it. Um, and so then the, the bighorn sheep don't come down as often, of course. And then I was, um, uh, I follow the Rocky Mountain Wild uh, organization, nonprofit out of Colorado, and gone to some of their film festivals. And, and then they put out, they were looking for volunteers to help put up cameras for a potential, or not, let's not say potential, a to happen wildlife crossing over I-70 westbound uh, up by Vail Pass in Colorado. And I'm like, wow, that sounds like, you know, that sounds cool. It's like I'm giving back. And so I learned a lot in that, and that's what they were doing with the cameras, those back to the corridors, finding out where the corridors, where the animals were mainly trying to cross. And that interested me and got me more interested and intrigued in it. And um, 
And then they did get, we did get a crossing, not we, but the state of Colorado with so many people involved got um, Highway 9 towards Steamboat out of Silverthorne. They got a wildlife crossing over the top and they've reported like over 40,000 animals have crossed in the last two years or something. And so just kind of a perfect storm again. And then being over in Africa for a little motorcycle riding around several countries and they and themselves need wildlife crossings over there. I mean, while I was over there, I think a rhino got hit, um, you know, so it's just kind of a perfect storm, if that makes sense. And I think it's something where all people can get in, into it. You've, you've, you've got uh, hunting organizations. So some people that are into saving wildlife, get, you know, there's a lot of controversy and there are all different ways to do things, but you've got pretty much everybody's on board that we need to get crossings for wildlife. And so that's cool too. You know, different people, different ideas are coming together mm -hmm. to do that. So then what made you want to, you know, how did you get, um, you know, interested in being like and so active and doing um, and going on all these, you know, kind of adventures and doing um, things that many people probably think is a little um, out of the box. You know, it's not. Uh, right. It's not a nine to five job for sure. No, no, it's not a nine to five job. Well, one thing the doing the tour guiding uh, during the summers and saving money. One thing is getting out of debt. Don't get in debt. I know you guys and students, student loans and all that, but um, first thing to do, don't go out and buy a new car. Buy, uh, you know, that's a whole nother conversation that will open your doors beyond anything you ever imagined. Um, if you can get that under, you know, focus on that in the first few years. But um, yeah, just I guess um, I when I was an undergrad, I actually crazy as it may sound, I got picked to go play an American cowboy at the base of Mount Fuji at a cowboy school for little kids out of Tokyo. I guess little kids who were probably eight, eight years, 10 years old to 16, seven, I, if I remember correctly. But that was my first exposure to the to the rest of the world than this the America, you know, America. And um that kind of really opened my eyes to this is a this is really cool seeing other parts of the world, and um, and I actually did that a second summer, so uh, that intrigued me. And then just the selection of books that I've read, you know, with the Walk Across America, I guess just selecting those kind of books and being intrigued by National Geographic. I remember um, being in my apartment in Denver when I was really focused on getting out of debt and living in a small apartment, putting all my money towards that so that I would have more freedom. And I hope that really rings with some people that listen to this. You get a lot of freedom when you don't have that on your, uh, on top of you and you can get out of it if you really focus. So I was focusing really limiting spending and putting everything and I watched, but I was cleaning my apartment and <laughs> I flipped on a, a national geographic, of course, and there was like a two hour special. I don't even remember what it was, but it was just amazing. Next thing I found is I, I didn't get my apartment clean. And I sat there for two hours and watched it. And I said, okay, I can eat for whatever reason, whatever I was reading at that time. There was a proverb at that time. It was a Dutch proverb that I had on my wall. It said the hardest part of traveling is getting out the front door or something like that. The hardest part of traveling is, is getting out the door, is actually stepping out the, the door. And it just hit me so hard. I'm like, I'm either going to sit here and watch this on the TV or I'm going to get rid of my TV and actually go do it myself. Now that was in like 2013. So in one sense, well before getting sucked into the staring at your phone all day, looking at Facebook and Instagram, 
And so it's the same thing, I think, with Instagram and Facebook and TikTok and all that. You can just be sucked in and watch it, or you can put it down and put your energy towards you doing it, if that makes sense. So I guess just things that I've read and in interest of wildlife and nature and having a dream of seeing Africa. And, and so when I do travel and I've gone to Central America and South America, you know, I kind of try to find wildlife in a sense, if I can, to bet, you know. Um, I don't know if I've answered your question. Hopefully I've given some positive information for folks that are listening and inspiration. That's also, I wanna inspire, um, you know, basically I like the three things, inspire people, uh, make a difference conservation wise and, uh, you know, adventure and kind of that triangle of energy, put that out to the world, if that makes sense. Mm -hmm. Uh, I, did, so I hope I answered your question. I apologize if I ramble sometimes. But. Oh, no, rambling is perfect and great. That's why we have um, editing. <laughs> but, cool. Yeah. Um, well, what is it like, you know, kind of day-to-day um, walking? I think it's probably pretty hard to imagine, you know, for a lot of people because you can only go, you know, 15, 20 miles or whatever a day. Um, whereas in a lot of people are used to driving that to the, to the grocery store, you know? And, you yeah. hit it right on the head. Uh, how is it walking? Well, very hard, uh, especially if you carry everything on your back, which I've been doing the first 710 miles, you know, but I'm not whining because there's people who do the Continental Divide Trail, the Appalachian Trail, and, and they carry their backpacks, you know, for, for, you know, a lot of miles, which I'm going to end up doing. Yet there are ways to get around that. You know, there are people, you know, if anybody on here is listening and like, gosh, I'd like to at least walk across Montana, or I'd like to do the Continental, well, maybe not the trails, but I'd like to do something like that. He's doing in a sense, you know, there are people who will push like baby carts, like a three tired baby car, you put the, then it's not on your back and you can move a lot faster. So I might actually do that from Colorado. I might switch up to a cart and then I'll be able to move a lot faster than carrying it on my back, but it's very hard carrying it on your back. Yes, it is very hard. And it is the old adage, every ounce counts. Uh, so you really try to, you got to focus on that. And, um, but yeah, only about, you know, 20 miles I've gone up to 27 um just depends but you know doing that day in and day out blisters and this pain and that pain and yeah it's not easy it's a it's it's definitely a challenge um and you're right people have no clue so you'll say yeah where's this this and they'll be like oh it's just right over there and right over there is two miles away well let's put that in perspective if you're going 60 miles an hour you can go 60 miles in one hour right so you're you're basically for me, it takes three days to go 60 miles. <laughs> so when somebody says two, it's just a couple miles over there, that could take me 45 minutes or more just to get there. Uh, so yeah, it's very challenging, but again, there's, okay, let's, there's a lady I went and watched her speak because every time there's someone or you yourself do, does something, you find somebody else that's done something crazier or bigger. I'd say she was five foot two, hundred and little bit of pounds. And I went and watched, she wrote a book. If you guys can find that book, if you're interested. Um, the book I read was Walk Across America. And it was written in actually 1972. And he wrote a second book from the Midwest on out. But it's 
you know, it, it, it might be a long time ago, but it's still the same inspiration. But she just in the early or the late 2000s walked out of Vail West and five years later showed back into Vail. She walked around the earth for five years. Your eyes just got big, I can see in the video. How do you do yeah. that? She, how did she do that? She, uh, what, her book there is- There are uh, water uh, in between. Uh, her, I, well, well, yeah, she took a boat across or whatever, but uh, but yeah. she went land like she went from there to California, then from California to to New Zealand, down to New Zealand, and then over to you know like uh, Australia, across to Australia, and then you know what I mean. And then she went to Southeast yeah, Asia, yeah, walked that's crazy. up to Europe, and the book's called Three Miles an Hour. And I went and watched her for a two-hour presentation, and it was just like. Uh, that was another thing. She's like, if this woman can walk around, you know, she can, and she did a, she did the cart thing. She pushed the cart. So, um, yeah, but it is very hard carrying everything on your back. It is very hard. Um, it, but you know, if you want easy, then I guess just flip on your phone every day and, or watch TV or watch TikTok, and you'll be like everybody else. Mm -hmm. I mean, that's true, Real, yeah. reality, right? Yeah. Is part of the fun for you the kind of mental, the mental challenge of it? Because I imagine there's a lot of people who might be able to walk across America um, physically, like their, their body's up for it, they're in the right, you know, they're fit and, and stuff, but um, especially doing it alone, um, you know, yeah, we have social media to keep us tied to each other. Yeah. Um, but that must be hard, even though alone is kind of maybe a familiar feeling now in a pandemic, but it isn't typically, I would say. Yeah, yeah. Um, so mental, yeah, it, the mental gymnastics is huge. Yeah, yeah, I've had the Forrest Gump moment where I've stopped in the mountains, of, you know, and, and, and looked back and looked forward and just stood there and like, I'm the only one on the road, there's no cars, there's no people, and I'm just looking around, I'm like, I guess I could stop now. <laughs> if that makes sense, so you're mentally, you're like, uh, no, you're not stopping, you know? So yeah, I mean, it's, it's not all every day. It's like life. People ask me, you know, this, that's a great, people ask me, um, and I'll say, it's like life. And they're like, what do you mean? I go, well, some days are great. Some days are a challenge. Some hours are great. And then the next hour, it's like, well, what happened? It was going so great, you know? And it's like life. It's like life on steroids. It's, it's you know, it's, um, uh, but, you know, yes, you are spot on. The mental challenge is huge because you will have aches and pains and you will have stress of like, where am I going to stay tonight? Because like, for example, there's not like a campgrounds every 10 miles or 20 miles. There's not a hotel. It, there are times that I have to like figure out where am I going to throw my tent? And out here in the West, I've been fortunate with you know, national forests here and there and such, but there's been times I've had to uh, stealth camp for sure. Um, so it's, it's just part of the, part of it. And that is, you're right, it's kind of fun though, in a sense, it's kind of like being the early adventurers, I guess. <laughs> yeah, how have you been, how did you plan your, um, kind of your path? It sounds like you may have planned you know, like West Coast to Colorado or something. I don't know yeah. how far ahead yeah. um, you're going. Uh, but yeah, how do you plan? How are you planning your path? And then when did you first start, I guess, and what's kind of your timeline for, for this? Uh, uh, plan my path. That's right. That is, 
this is good to talk about for other people that may be inspired to do something like this. Uh, second thing, so I don't forget, I started, uh, I did like a, just a couple few hours on June 23rd, leaving Nia Bay, N-E-A-H Bay, which is on the Northwest tip of Washington State on okay. June 23rd. My first full day was June 24th. Um, this, you know, back to the planning, I think people can plan themselves out of a lot of action and activity. I think, uh, you know, if you, that's just my personal opinion. So my planning was not as extensive as you might think, um, because I have found in my life that sometimes the whole planning thing is, and then it's like, oh, well, I'll just do that next year, and, you know, or I'll do that. And I'll, yeah. So sometimes I just do things with not as much planning as you would think, and then it works out because I'm concerned if I do too much planning, I might plan myself out of doing it. But I had this, and this is huge for those that are thinking, and this is, I had this fantasy dream, and it's not a fantasy, but I had, well, you know, if I go to the most Northwest tip of Washington state, and then I go to the most Southeast tip of Florida, that would be amazing. <laughs> and so I was already in Utah, and I'd never been to Boise a few months ago and my tour guiding gig uh, was bust. And um, I had been thinking that this might be something anyway. And I'm like, you know what, just go up. I've got some friends in Seattle area and um, I, I just decided to start up there. And also because I knew if I was in the Southwest, it'd be really hot. So I'm trying to basically go from the Northwest, trying to get as much cool as I can, even though it's supposed to be 98 today here. Um, and I've been through a couple 105, 102 days for sure, about six of those. Um, but, you know, try to start in the cooler Northwest uh, that I have not been in very much up here. So it's been really awesome seeing what I've seen and then hit Colorado where I'm from and then start heading Southeast as, the, as we get into October, November, December, you know, and yeah. then it'd be a little warmer down there. So that was the, the overall, but I, did, did I plan an exact route? No. I didn't really get my, my route to Missoula planned until I had already kind of started walking because I still was like, well, do which way should I head? And then talking to friends and people. So, you know, I, 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 let me use this for example. And this, this, you know, this could, maybe this is way off base. And, but I was traveling um, Central America a few years ago and a guy that I met, he said, man, I just met these guys. They were from the UK and they had planned every single day for six months what they were gonna do and they were upset because they had gotten off by a couple days. That just sounds terrible to me, you know? Yeah, you can't but, take the, you know, kind of the things as they come, you know? I, when yeah. I travel, I like to say like, these are the things that I, I don't wanna leave there without having done or haven't having, you know, seen. But other than that, you know, you gotta kind of let the experiences come as they, as they will. It, 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 I 110% I agree with you, yet tremendous number of Americans buy all-inclusive resort things that everything's like click, 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 click into pay, place. I was just talking to my friend that I'm staying with here in Missoula, and he said he had friends that they've been going somewhere for years and have never left the all-inclusive resort. Never walked out the door, never walked out the walls. How much have they missed of meeting the locals and the culture and all the different things? So I think we're definitely on the same page. Did I plan? Yes, in a sense, overall. 
um, that I have an initial plan of starting the Northwest tip and then walking towards and getting into the Seattle area. Yes, but then from there and overall heading Northwest to Southeast, yes. But I didn't know exactly when I started where I was gonna particularly go out of Seattle. If I was gonna head towards, you know, uh, Kennewick, I think it is, or, you know, or if I was gonna go, so anyway, you know, and I'm still, even from Missoula, I'm not 100% sure here where I'm gonna, which route I'm gonna take. I'm still working on that. Yeah. So what is your day-to-day -day like? So it sounds like you've been in Missoula for a couple days. Um, do you often stop and stuff? Um, I guess my first question is what, what's your, um, you know, days on the road, which I mean like walking and stuff versus, you know, maybe your days where you're either only walking a few miles or you're kind of mostly um, like touring a city or visiting with uh people what's your ratio uh, like it, it's been very hit and miss uh one thing you know when it comes to preparation and planning i don't know if there's any way to prep or plan and be ready to walk every day you know 15 to 25 miles let's just use that and so i had blisters i had the the shoes that i had were not probably the best shoes that i could they were new or newer but um, so I'm answering your question in the sense that I've had to do some alterations. I, I stopped in Burlington for a few extra days getting new shoes and new socks that I didn't necessarily expect. Because in my mind, I was going to walk six days and take a day off. Walk six days, take a day off. You know, well, that's not been a reality because it's not always fallen into place. It's like after, uh, you know, I needed to stop and I took an extra day. I took like three days there in Burlington and, and just got reorganized, switched backpacks, switched shoes, switched socks, let my legs rest because I'd never walked 15 to 25 miles every day for two, three weeks in a row, right? Uh, well, I guess backpacking, I've had done stuff, but, and so then I, um, so it, yeah, I've, but I've still tried to do the thing about a, a day off each week um, but then I did do 22 out of 23 days getting here to Missoula um, I took a day off in I did a half day and then I took a day off in Sandpoint and then um, I could have taken a day off on the way to Missoula but then talking to my friends I was just like you know what I'm feeling good I'm just gonna burst through and came on in so then I took that day I would have taken and I've taken a couple extra days here in Missoula um, and this has been my longest break for sure. But on the road, it's, I try to do, yes, about, I try to do, a, I'm trying to get like 120 miles a week, which if you walk six days, 20 miles, that gives it, right? Uh, but some days I might only be able to walk 15 because I've got something's bothering me or there's nowhere to stay for 10 more miles and I don't really want to walk 25 that day. Uh, so then maybe I walk 15 that day and 22 the next day and then um, but by the end of the week I hope that answered your question yeah have you and maybe you've had a practice doing this so it's not um, new to you but um, to me it seems like it would be weird for me to have to only plan out you know like 10 or 15 miles ahead of me for the next day, because you say 120 miles um, a week, you know, um, 
I can drive that in my car in, in three hours. And I think um, I definitely grew up in an area where you never told someone how many miles away something was. You told them in the time it would take you to get there in a car. Yeah. Yeah. You'd be like, oh, I live 30 minutes from this or I live 40 minutes from that. Um, so I'm just wondering if it's you've had to really take a way of rethinking it because I would think over time it would get a little... Um, discouraging you know to be like wow I went only 120 miles this week with but when you know you're doing it by foot that's actually really an accomplishment I mean that's you're spot on it, it, it talk about a recalculation yes because you're right our whole Americans and the and the car it's hey just go down there and you'll see a Texaco and you take a left and you'll know, go over there you know there's no like <laughs> You're exactly right. And so I've had to definitely reprogram myself that, oh, yeah, it's going to take me six days to go something that would take me two or three hours to drive. And you have to slow down. You have to be like, take a breath, slow down. Um, yeah, it's been, you're right. It's been very interesting. And so reprogramming myself has been a huge thing yeah i would say that's a good point reprogram yeah. myself and then having to decipher when you ask people directions and things that you know because again they're they don't have a clue <laughs> yeah, <laughs> never, in, even in their hometown they've never walked i mean america's not built to walk unless maybe you're in new york city or you know I don't know, some, some places have, but most people get in their car and drive one mile and then get out of their car as close as they can to the shop, you know. Yeah, yeah, our cities aren't set up for, um, for, for walking. I mean, I like to walk and bike places. Um, Missoula is a pretty bikeable city. Um, if you are specifically talking about more the downtown area, um, we have a couple like kind of commercial areas that, um, would probably be frankly quite dangerous um, trying to access with your bike <laughs> um, yeah. and stuff. But, um, but yeah, I mean, oftentimes I'll be going and just like one block randomly has no sidewalk. Yeah. It's, it's and then the, you know, next, we... the next block will have a sidewalk. And oftentimes it's because um, homeowners have to pay for a sidewalk. And if you're like, well, I, I don't use it, I'm not going to pay for it, but you know, I'm trying to go and I'm like, Oh, there's no sidewalk. So then, you have to like bike in the road and it might be a one lane road. So, you know, it's just very tight. And that's been, that's a been a big, that's a good thing to talk about. It's been a real challenge with, you know, walking along the roads, uh, highway 200 out of Sandpoint was not a fun experience for a few. Um, maybe out of Sandpoint is okay. I can't, you know, things start blending together, but there's, there's, there was about three days, that about the third day on highway 200 i was like this can't continue because there was nowhere to walk i was literally stepping off into the ditch when cars came by and there were big uh you know tree trucks is it tree truck trucks you know with the forest trucks or what am i trying? Logging, logging trucks logging trucks and it was like i have to this has to change and fortunately i looked at the map and i was able to get off 200 take 135 about four miles and then i took uh forest road 412 over to nine mile, six mile to, anyway, you know, you, 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 you just hit something. I mean, I was, uh, it's, it's not, you know, walking is, 
a country's not made for walking and biking. Simple as that. And it's it can be challenging um, when walking or bicycling, like you said. And so that is a challenge that you have to mentally deal with doing this. Yeah. Um, how has that informed your, your route planning and stuff? Because, um, you know, again, most of us plan our trips by the major highways and stuff. Um, but you're probably trying to do the opposite just because, you know, small shoulders, um, semi-trucks, logging trucks going by, people driving, you know, 70, 80, especially here in, in Montana with our high speed limit um, here of 80 miles an hour. Um, yeah, you have like your own, your own safety and stuff to worry about. Uh, that's right. So it's been, well, actually, you know, I started on Northwest Corner. I knew I'd be on 112 to 20 to Burlington. And then I did a radio show in OMAC, which is Eastern Washington. So from Burlington, I knew I was going to be on 20 all the way out to OMAC. And then from there, I was coming to Missoula and I looked at, I wanted to definitely avoid Spokane. Uh, so I stayed on 20 uh, over and up around Sandpoint and then down 200, I guess. So I kind of knew. Um, and then between here and there, all I could, you know, I just tried to find if there were any side roads, if there were any shortcuts uh, or just roads that would be off the side of the main road. Um, but it's not, at chat times, it's not been easy. At times it's been like, woohoo, I found a walk, you know, like here I got into, uh, I got off or came down onto Husk, not Husk, is it Husk? I came out of six mile road wherever it ended out over here, here in Missoula. And there was a, they put a bike walking path all along. So I had that for many miles. That was great. Oh, were you out in the, in the Bitterroot? It was North. Is that Bitterroot? I thought Bitterroot was South, but I'm not real familiar. I'm very directionally challenged. So. Yeah. Bitterroot. I know Bitterroot is definitely South. I don't know what you'd call the North, but. I guess back to your question is, has it affected? Yeah, I'm always looking at, I'm always looking at apps and such, trying to find alternate away from any busy road. And then I go back to, yeah, I'm not uh, set yet on which direction out of Missoula and how I'm going to do, because I'd like to actually get on the Continental Divide a little bit, trail a little bit, but I know, you know, higher elevation this time of the year is going to be a concern. So I'll be working that over out over the next couple of days. But yeah, it's a big challenge and um, something that I'm always working on and trying to figure out a better way. You'd be surprised though, the best, the best uh, and the biggest uh, side area is on the major highways, which I haven't been on the major highways, but that, that's got the biggest area to walk, but who wants to walk along I-90? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, right. I guess I'm really curious, um, as someone who's done the drive, I've driven from Missoula to Denver. Um, uh -huh. And so are you planning on going through Wyoming? Yes. With my, my, what I, and I said, I'm figuring this out over the next couple of days. Um, I'm actually going to call the Continental Divide office in Colorado. Hopefully they're open tomorrow. Um, and see, you know, maybe take like 93 south out of Missoula down and then jump on the Continental Divide trail to Yellowstone. Okay. Um, possibly getting off and on roads somehow depending you know if it's something i'm going to be in high elevation and there's snow then i go here or there it's it's a it's a it's it's a thing in process but yeah i'll end up going through wyoming on into colorado and exactly 
you know, how much I'll be on the Continental Divide, I don't know. But it would be nice to be on it the whole time, but we'll see again this time of the year. Yeah, how do you do um, like resupplies and stuff? Because I imagine, especially out here in the West where things are, you know, a little few and far between, you know, because even I've, um, I drive cross country or, you know, across large sections of the, of the states, um, you know, every couple years often. And even I have to plan like, um, you know, I have to get gas here because I know I'm going to run out for the next stop, you know, and just different, different things like that. But, um, you know, it's, yeah. you know, everything is different when you're, when you're walking. So, um, has that been something you've had to, you know, think about more so in the West? Um, you've been living oh, out yeah. here, so you might be a little bit more used to it. Um, but I imagine, you know, when you go East, there's more things more frequently. I would yes. imagine. You're exactly right. You're, you're spot on. Um, fortunately I don't have to worry about gas, yeah. but I guess I do in a sense of food. Um, yet, uh, you know, there was a stretch in, um, the cast North Cascades, there was about, there was a 70 mile stretch. There was nothing, but I guess I'll have to be, I'll be honest with you. Uh, well, I carry food and I do carry dry food. You, you add water and I'm struggling, uh, you know, where you add hot water and wait 10 minutes. I carry that, um, but you can't carry everything. So there was a stretch of 70 miles. There was nothing, but I have to be honest with you, I guess, convenience stores are their life-saving blood of uh, walk across America <laughs> because there's been situations where you know there's no grocery store there's no town but there's a little convenience or mom and pop general store and you walk in and I honestly I don't eat corn dogs all the time but I'll eat a corn dog because I'm like I am so hungry I need something and there's not a true grocery store and I can you know you you'd love to carry fruit and vegetables, but that's not always a reality. You know, I, maybe I'll carry bananas for a day or something, but they're heavy. There's a lot of moisture. Um, so it's been where I'll live off dry food, nuts. I'll carry nuts, maybe oatmeal. Uh, and then, yeah, I'll just, if there's a convenience store that I'm shooting for that next convenience store, it's, it is what it is. I mean, there's no other way around it or I'd be carrying so many pounds of food um so yeah it, but yeah there was like 70 miles in north cascades there was one situation where i was i got into north cascades and i expected a store to be open but it was closed so fortunately though a friend of mine talking about resupply he was with his girlfriend coming up to her cabin randomly on that weekend and he actually brought me some more supplies um i resupplied in omac because i stayed with a gentleman there and his family that's part of the conservation northwest for a couple three days so i was able to re kind of get things but but convenience stores and just really focused planning on you know nutrition bars and those kind of things um how long before you kind of set off did you um you know know you're going to do this or have this planned and i'm thinking like as in um had a departure date on the calendar kind of thing <laughs> I go back to, I, you know, sometimes people plan themselves out of doing stuff and they never do it. I honestly, I got back from Africa. I was in my, I've got an RV, van RV conversion. And I was going to, I was basically, I left it in Phoenix when I, and I was good. Basically the plan was land and drive back to Colorado and tour guide all summer. 
Well, when that didn't happen, then I was like, okay, well, I guess I'll just kind of tour around Arizona a little bit. And then I kind of went into Southern Utah and then I started, you know, what am I going to do? And uh, again, the walking has every, it's always on my, it had always been on my mind, on my mind. And so it started bubbling up. So it wasn't maybe a month and a half before I truly, you know, that it kind of, I'm like, you know, then the bell started going off. Well, if I've got this time, maybe I should do the Colorado Trail because I always wanted to do that 500 mile trail in Colorado. What else could I do? I could, you know, like, what, what can I do? And so it wasn't long at all, to be honest with you. Mm-hmm. Well, but I you- kind of asked um, just because we, you know, are talking in the midst of um, a global pandemic. So I'm wondering how that's kind of informed, um, informed you, um, you know, you are, solo walking so that cuts risk and stuff you know but you're going through a lot of different places and uh-huh. um i wonder how that's kind of informed uh what you're doing or kind of how you've tried to mitigate risks and stuff like that well i mean that's a that can be such a conversation everybody has different opinions on so much of that i i live a non-fearful life um i could die of a heart attack i have heart attack in my family tree, I have cancer, I have, I don't know, I think that's a whole nother ball of wax. And so I don't live in fear. Um, and so I'd walk no matter what. And so basically, um, you know, I carry a mask whenever if I need to somewhere that requires, but I've been places there's nobody and, and there's been people there are and I just kind of roll with the punches and, and uh, move on because I have a much higher risk probably of getting hit by a car. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you're so, I mean, it's, probably... it's part of it. It's part of yeah. it. But I, I, you know, it's also, I'm, when I travel, people are like, you went to Africa. Oh my God, weren't you scared? Weren't it dangerous? I'm like, mm, scared? No, at times maybe concerned, but 98% of the people in the world are just trying to make a living and feed their family and are great people. And, um, you know, and so, yeah, I was in places there were no other white people for hundreds of miles and I don't care. I, I just traveled and gone places that it doesn't, I just don't think that way. And I think that puts out an aura. It could I been therefore have a challenge someday. Yeah. But back to what you originally asked, um, I, I just basically um, decided that I would just deal with it as it comes. And if it end, if it caused me to have to end things, I would end things. But at this point, it's not, it's not been a big issue to be honest. Yeah. Well, and you're probably doing one of the safer modes of traveling. You're often by yourself. And then, you know, with many, many days, probably sometimes before you see many people. And even though you are sometimes staying with friends and stuff. um, Yeah. Last time you were in a big group or something, you know, could have been, you know, because they do say. Um, right. Yeah. Yeah. That's right. Yeah. And, so, and yeah. so it's, 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 it's almost no different in a sense. I mean, uh, but that is a valid question. And it was something I thought about and something, and then I just said to myself, you know what, I'm going to start and we'll just see how it goes. And if, if after a week, it's just not going to work and then it won't work and I'll figure out something else. But I just, I clicked, it clicked that this could be an opportunity to squeeze in this dream that I've had all these years and I'm just going to give it a shot. 
And, you know, so I don't know, I may, maybe it gets to where I don't even get to finish because it, who knows what happens, right? I don't know, but I thought I'd at least start and just go with the punches and, um, and see how it, you know, things rolled. And if it didn't work out because of that, then it didn't work out. But if I didn't start, I'd never know. So that's kind of was my attitude as well. So I just got going. Yeah. I mean, I think it's interesting um, that you're kind of doing this and, and learning about kind of your, your journey occurs at the same time as a lot of people. I'm seeing a lot of people around me starting to switch to the, um, the pandemic is going to be happening and we just have to figure out how we're going to live our lives within that um, because humans can't exist, you know, locked in their homes. Um, all the time, mentally, physically, you know, we just, we can't do that. So I think we're, I don't know, I've seen in the last couple of weeks, I think for the first time, we're really, people are really being like, well, how do I move forward yeah. with my life? Yeah, I, I think that's, that's true. And I mean, I, I, we can, this could be a very slippery slope that I'm going down, but I think it's very selfish to sit at your home because I'm from a farm ranching background. So you're wanting the farmer and rancher to work. You're wanting the truck. I've got a buddy from high school that drives trucks, a truck driver. So you want the truck driver to drive. You want the person to work at the grocery store. You want the person to work at Amazon to deliver. And you just sit there at your house. And, you know, that that's not very, that's not very fair. <laughs> you know what I mean? So you, you want everything to keep working, the economy to keep working, food to keep coming. It doesn't work that way. Food just doesn't show up on the shelves of the grocery store. So I think everybody has to realize, you know, there's many ways. It's a, it's a real thing. It's a real concern. And, and like you said, you just got to figure out how it's best for you. But I think people need to think beyond themselves that the functionality of society as a whole um, has to in some ways has to keep moving forward. I mean, think about all these kids that they're missing out on education that's important for them to move on to college and have for they to be able to go through college. And, you know, there's like, you can't learn everything online, I don't believe. I think, you know, in hand, you've got to have that connection with people and being able to communicate with people. And so there's a lot there and it could be, we could do a whole podcast or two on that. So I think you've got a very good point. And, and I just, like I said, I just decided that for me, I'm just going to start walking and we'll see how it goes. And if I had to quit in a day, I quit in a day. If I had to quit in a month, I had to quit in a month because of this situation. But so far it's been where it's been workable, doable. And um, like I said, I could get a hit. I've probably had a much higher percentage chance of getting hit by a car, <laughs> to be honest with you. And so that's why I've got to get, you know, that's why I try to get off those roads as much as possible, so. Yeah. Um. I just have to pause for a quick moment. Um, I sure. have a cat, and I think she started to, like, throw things down the stairs. Oh, yeah, no um, I have her okay. locked out of the room I'm in because she'll walk all over and yeah, have sure, havoc. Sure. But um, I'm just going to go check on her real quick. I'll be okay, here. sure. And do you think we'll be – how much longer do you think we'll be going? Uh, probably just, like, 10 minutes. Yeah, no worries. Cool. It's all good. All right. I'm fine. Right. Yeah, take I'll care of her. Back. Sure. All right. Yeah, she just, she um, causes a ruckus when she doesn't get what she wants, so. Imagine and that. She was just playing and keeping herself entertained, but I kept hearing things tumble Pumping. down the stairs, yeah. and I was like, that can't be good. <laughs> we <laughs> never did that. We never did that to our parents. <laughs> yeah. Um, well, she's only a cat, so she should be able to 
entertain yourself. I don't know. There's so many loud noises <laughs> happening in my living room right now. Oh, I can't uh, hear them. So hopefully that's okay then. I can't yeah. hear them. So hopefully it's okay. Yeah, I'm. I've. I'm pretty experienced recording in my in my house. So um, luckily, Zoom has kind of a meter. Oh, okay. A little bit. Um, and so yeah, because I also live near a busy road. Okay. Stuff, but I found that um, they're pretty good at getting out the surrounding noise and stuff. Oh, okay, cool. Um, but I was kind of yeah, I was looking at the time, and we're probably close to time to to wrap up and stuff. Um, and so I was just gonna kind of throw it back to you if there's anything else you wanna say. Um, I know we talked a bit about wildlife crossings in the beginning of our conversation, but I kind of transitioned us into talking more about your walk. So if you wanna kind of, um, you know, mention that again or, or, or whatever yes. you want. No, I'd love to. No, I would love, what I would love to end on is to uh, make sure, you know, people realize that they can make a difference. You can make a difference from your computer, from your phone with uh, making a difference with nature and wildlife conservation. I'm focused right now on the, on the wildlife crossings, which I think is, like I said, affects every species of wildlife, I guess, maybe birds, not so much, but, but every species. So if, you know, look at it that way if you, you can make a difference. So please, you know, do your research, check out my website, walk for the number four wildlife crossings. That's not my website, I apologize. Check out my page, walk for wildlife crossings on my website, boldlyexplore.com. Um, I've got Instagram at boldlyexplore. I've got a Facebook page. I'm putting videos like daily videos on um on my uh youtube channel and they're not all about the crossings and such so let's go back to what's most important that is i just want to inspire people that you can make a difference don't be overwhelmed by what you know that's out there that needs to be done just take a step forward please towards making a difference whatever is important to you for nature and wildlife um if it's wildlife crossings or if you could do something for that that would be great uh, we still need so many more. We're just getting started. There's a National Wildlife Corridors Act 2019 that's actually coming into to the voting and to money. They're really working to try to get multi-millions in that for wildlife crossings and corridors. So calling your, your senators and congressmen and women and such and so forth and writing them. Google you know, Google uh, Conservation Act, uh, Wildlife Corridor Crossings 2019. Look around, you'll find that. I've got some information on my site. Get active locally, find out who locally are involved, the organizations that are involved in, you know, working towards that and just become a member, even just becoming a member is gonna help, you know, the momentum. I hope I'm, you know, so it's really, uh, and, 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 and beyond the conservation just hopefully inspiring people that if there's something a dream out there you want to do and it's a hard dream it's something a little different don't let people's negativity or you're crazy for doing that stop you um do it and give it a shot if it doesn't work out it doesn't work out but at least give it a shot you know so hopefully there's you know kind of want to leave on that just you can make a difference and you can also make do inspiring things in your life my conversation with Scott was recorded about a month ago. The last time I heard from him, he'd just left Yellowstone National Park. To see where he is now, check him out on social media. 
Search Boldly Explore on all platforms. Thanks for tuning in. New episodes will be dropping every week. You can listen to us on air at KBGA 89.9 Missoula, online at kbga.org, or listen to the podcast on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. See you next week. Thank you.